0: Welcome back to Taylor of Tech Live on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're having a fantastic Friday. Looking forward to that weekend. And uh, today we have a little bit of good news, potentially. It's not uh, concrete good news. It's a bit of speculation and information. Is that a term going on on my end? So I could be totally off on this, but in the past there have been rumors and people pointing to, uh, perhaps in the springtime, Apple launching some kind of M1 Pro or M1 Max, Mac Mini. One of my biggest reasons as to why I didn't think Apple would do it was because just the margins on it had to be thinner. Um, they didn't have to be like restricted to selling M1 Pros or M1 Maxes in $1,200 boxes. They can easily get much better margins on the 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros. But according to Mac rumors, at least, Apple is finally trying to catch up on that backlog, which we've actually had quite a bit of backlog on the new MacBook Pros. And they're now starting to get closer to, you know, more more regular uh, ship times with the next generation MacBook Pro. So you won't have to wait as long. Which does mean that at least in regards to the chips and components required for the Mac, um, Apple might not be as restricted as they were before. So, again, it's a lot of wishful thinking on my part. But maybe, now that we're seeing the estimated delivery timelines go down for the MacBook Pro, Apple would feel more comfortable putting an M1 Pro or an M1 Max into a Mac Mini and just trying to sell as many Macs as possible. Um, The truth is the M1 Mac Mini is still probably selling really well anyway, so they definitely don't have to do it for the Mac market share to grow. Um, But I absolutely think it would help. Um, Honestly, every time someone asks about it, about there being like a more powerful but more affordable Mac, especially because the cheapest way to get an M1 Pro is still like $2,000, which is a lot, Um, I'm kind of like <laughs> i'm kind of just like it would be great if there was a cheaper way to do it but it would sell too well that's usually the thing that that prevents me from saying it'll happen or saying yeah it's probably real because i just think apple knows they would much rather go imac pro route um and have people buy $2500 max or $3000 Macs uh rather than they would $1000 Macs basically the more revenue apple generates the better we don't know exactly what the margins are, but I have to imagine the Mac Mini is probably not as profitable as something like a MacBook Pro. You can easily um, upcharge people because, of course, you're getting the keyboard, trackpad, battery, everything's in there you need. Um, so I, I want Apple to do it, but there's a lot of things that would help us personally that wouldn't necessarily help Apple and It's challenging, but often throughout history, I've always tried to make sure I'm I'm looking at things from Apple's perspective and the consumer's perspective. So there's certain things, obviously, you could be very one-sided and just say, Apple should give away all their iPhones for free. Yeah, that would be great for us, terrible for them. Um, And of course, you could... Uh, do crazy things like run ads in software and make it so the ads pause every time your eyes look away from the display yeah, that would probably be good for the business, <laughs> but it would be terrible for consumers, so the challenge every time we talk about this kind of stuff is finding that middle ground, figuring out when things are good for the consumer and good for the business, that's how we uh, that's what Apple has to figure out and that's what we have to keep our expectations realistic with Um. Any day that Apple does something to get people off of Intel is a good day. Yes, well said, James. I agree with that. Uh, Telephone Background says, the M1 Pro and Macs are not going anywhere. M2 series is a new process, which will take a while. to be ready for the Pro products, probably early 2023, like Gurman said. Uh, I'm pretty sure Gurman said M2 uh, MacBooks are coming this year. So I'm not sure where you're getting early 2023. I mean, (laughs) we've still got new MacBook Air coming out. This year, and that's not rocking M1, according to every single leak or rumor. Um, the question that I uh, posed in the title is just that you know, if Apple is considering bringing the M1 Pro or M1 Max to the Mac Mini, the alternative is just bringing the M2, because according to Mac Rumors source as well as um, Digitimes, which is not reliable, but the Mac rumor source is, they're both suggesting that an M2 MacBook Pro with no design changes is going to be ready at this March event in a couple weeks. So if that's the case, that means the M2 chip is already being mass produced at a certain scale that they're ready to start shipping it. And um, I could easily see Apple being a little bit worried about confusing people when it comes to, okay, the MacBook Air and the entry-level MacBook Pro is M2, but the high-end has M1. um, So M2 is not meant to uh, beat out M1 Pro or M1 Max or anything. That's not the case. But... uh, I do think that if we're heading into new territory, if we're heading into a new year, and it sounds like the iMac Pro has been pushed out possibly until the fall, um, it's it's quite possible that we could get M2 chips in MacBook Pros and Mac Minis, um, and they don't want to put the Pro or Max chip in a Mac Mini simply because it would cannibalize too many iMac sales. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if the new iMac Pro ends up getting a, a revamped or rebranded you know, M2 Pro or um, M2 Pro Max type thing. Uh, just because the chip development is constantly going on and, you know, we've got the M1 Pro and M1 Max, but they're both in laptops. Maybe if Apple is designing the M2 Pro, which is using a lot of the same cores and a lot of the same architecture from the M2 chip, but they know it's going in a desktop like the Mac Pro, um... You could probably design it to consume a lot more power and therefore be a lot faster if Apple is trying to make the iMac Pro or whatever the larger size iMac is going to be called. If they want to make that machine more capable, more powerful, um, then, then giving it a chip that is not optimized for a laptop might be a good idea. Um, should I wait for AirPods Pro 2 or Beat Studio or Pro headphones because my AirPods Pro have been returned twice and are still broken? Jeez. I was actually having some issues with my AirPods Pro this morning as we were recording the podcast, so um, I'm sorry to hear that. As of right now, you know, Quo isn't right about everything, but he's usually been pretty spot on with AirPods release date rumors. He's saying to expect AirPods Pro 2 in October, so we've got a while. If you can wait that long, I think it'll be worth the wait. It sounds like the latency or the, the bit rate AirPods Pro 2 will have will be much better, and they'll have an external speaker if you want to ping them when they get lost. Um, So I'm hoping better battery life as well. AirPods Pro have the worst battery life out of all the AirPods. So they're definitely due for an upgrade. They haven't been touched since 2019. So I'm pretty sure this is going to be the year, but you may have to wait a while. So I would just say if you can wait, go ahead. But if you can't, then I don't know. I haven't tried the Beats Studio or the Pro headphones. um, So I, I can't say, from personal experience, they're worth it, but they're probably a decent option if you're in a hurry. Um, Does that mean that the ones who bought the M1 Pro and Max Max last year will be old after a year? Well, it depends on your definition of old. Uh, If they're designing... I'm not suggesting that the M2 Pro is coming in a MacBook Pro. I'm just saying that the M2 Pro and M2 Max might be chips that are better suited for desktops, and Apple won't see... We've already had... Um, Similar to iPad Pro silicon refreshes, we've had sources claim that Apple's plan is not to upgrade Mac silicon annually. It's usually every 18 months or maybe more, depending on how fast it is. Considering how all-out Apple went with these MacBook Pros, with the 14-inch and 16-inch, you know, surprising us with 120 hertz and cramming mini-LED in there and improving the battery life so much, I would not be shocked if it ends up being like two years or more between the next upgrade we get here. So old as in yeah they're they're a year old but (laughs) that doesn't necessarily mean last generation technology i think the m2 pro and stuff might make more sense in desktops because of the power draw um whereas m1 pro and m1 max make more sense for laptops um let's see will the m2 have arm v9 i don't believe so i don't think that's ready yet but i could be wrong i hope i'm wrong um Let's see. Apple has been doing that for a long time with iPads. The Pro had the A12Z while the Air had the A14. No one cared and Apple knows it. What do you exactly mean the difference there? I mean, the Apple wasn't selling the iPad Pro anymore. Or no, no. Yeah, they had it alongside the iPad Air, but um, I think it's a little bit different when the Air has the higher-end CPU. Well, I guess that would be the same as the MacBook, MacBook Air having m 2 whereas the higher-end machines having M1 Pro. But those chips were very, very similar to each other, I think is the exception. Um, A12Z and A14 got fairly close in single-core and multi-core. Do you think Apple will bring back the touch bar for future MacBook Pros? I don't know if bring back is the right terminology, considering that what's rumored is that the M2 chip will just have the exact same design. So the 13-inch MacBook Pro is not lost the touch bar yet, it still has it today and the next generation one is rumored to continue having the touch bar so bringing it back to the 14 inch or 16 inch models uh, I, I, I feel like it would be weird at this point because they already got rid of the function keys in favor of the touch bar, then they added back the escape key, now they got rid of the touch bar entirely so then to add it back again would just be a little bit confusing Um. so I, I personally think that they won't bring it back, although I I wish there was an option, as much as I want them to. I'm, I'm guessing the only reason the touch bar is sticking around with the M2 MacBook Pro is just because they didn't want to adjust the assembly lines. They already have that M1 MacBook Pro in mass production. They're building a ton of them, and they wanted to simplify the update to the M2 chip as much as possible, so they're not touching anything. They're not even giving MagSafe. They're not throwing in the SD card. They're just popping in a new chip and calling it a day, and removing the touch bar and adding function keys... While well, maybe would save some money on the parts is is still going to complicate the manufacturing process because in recent history, Apple has not been manufacturing uh, M1 MacBook Pros with function key options. So do you think Apple will bring back? Oh, sorry, I just read that. Uh, so I don't think they'll bring it back to MacBook Pros that have already removed it, although they may keep it on MacBook Pros that currently have it, which is just the one. Apple Silicon is superior to Intel. Intel is playing catch up on what Apple does. I think people are unnecessarily comparing the two. Like, I don't quite grasp the point in comparing what Intel is coming out with versus what Apple. Because the truth is, Apple's ditched Intel. They're gone. They're switching over to their own silicon. Um, There's only a couple of Macs left that need to be switched over. There's not that many left. And we, we know there's a clear path to Apple silicon being scaled up. When you do give it more power, it will still be far more powerful than... It's Intel competition. Um, and Apple's not going to go back to Intel. It doesn't even matter if Intel catches up with them. Apple's still going to rather optimize and design their own chips to go on their own machines. So I haven't seen this happen yet. But even if Intel does start making more power-efficient chips that are faster than Apple Silicon, um, it's not going to find its way into a MacBook. It's not going to find its way into an iMac because Apple already is designing their own Silicon. They're, they've moved on from Intel. So does it really matter does it <laughs> um so far i haven't seen any performance tests and that's a vague that's a vague comparison too i know intel has their own charts and they put up their own things but there's all different types of tests and apple's charts are vague as well all i know and care about is that my export times in final cut which i'm only going to get on a mac i'm not going to get on a pc And the battery life of my MacBook Pro has been unbeatable. I have not seen any other laptop on the market with a battery life this good. And I have not seen any other uh, laptop be able to edit video and export it as quickly as this one can. So if Intel certain generation of their CPU performs a certain way and it clocks a certain speed and it had to consume a certain amount of power, that's great. I don't really care if it's worse or better than Apple Silicon because it's not going to come in a Mac, which means the only way for me to use those Intel processors are on less efficient, more buggy Windows machines. And I've had terrible experience with Windows machines. I have no interest in switching to Windows anytime soon. Um, And there's no video editing software that will be as optimized or as efficient as Final Cut is. So for my own personal use cases... I have no interest in what's going on at Intel. Um, I'm I'm kind of like you're you're yesterday's news. I don't I don't need any Intel updates anymore because nothing that comes out is going to come into a product that I'm interested in buying. Um, that's the other thing is like Apple only has a handful of Macs that they got to optimize their silicon for, whereas Intel is optimizing their CPUs and GPUs for dozens and dozens of PCs. And all of those individual PCs might handle those chips differently. Sometimes they may uh, slow down the power draw a lot sometimes they might have poor cooling architectures so how the chip performs in Intel's lab isn't really accurate of how it's going to perform in actual uh, work machines that third parties are going to have to develop and some of them are going to have better cooling systems than others some of them are going to draw more power than others because of the displays and the batteries they have so I I don't really care what they do <laughs> um let's see i doubt the rumors that they will keep the old design with the touch bar and the m2 macbook pro they never done that in the history of macbook pros what do you mean they've never done that the m1 macbook pro was an intel macbook pro that they just slapped an m1 chip in and called it a day they keep the old design with macbook pros all the time they did that with uh several generations of the 2016 macbook pro they would just tinker the keyboard a little bit because the uh keyboard kept bugging out and uh but for the most part they would just slap in some new cpus but the ports were the same the touch bar was the same the display was the same they would do very very basic um updates like that where they would just pop in a new cpu they do that all the time with macbooks i would say especially with macbooks um let's see i'm still waiting on the m2 hopefully we don't have to wait too much longer Um, Have you considered non-Apple over-ear headphones since you don't like AirPods Max? Voting with your wallet, something that works with your workflow? The problem is I really appreciate the AirPlay features and connectivity. I like uh, audio sharing, especially on trips. Um, We've been to airports and we've been on several flights this year. I think we've taken eight flights. And it's really, really nice to be able to have my wife put in her AirPods, I put in my AirPods, and then I connect to both of them via... AirPlay in my iPad, and then we're both sharing audio. Um, I'm not entirely sure if you can do that with regular Bluetooth headphones. Um, You might be able to, I don't know. But the other thing is, I don't care for the transparency mode on other over-ears. AirPods Max, by far, had the best transparency mode of any pair of headphones I've used. And other pairs are going to rely on the just more traditional Bluetooth pairing, which is a bit more clunky to me. And I like having the battery percentage show up. I guess that might show up with certain third parties. I don't know. None of the third party options have really grabbed my attention very much just because they're kind of plasticky and, um, my AirPods pro work fine for the most part. They're, they're buggy on occasion. So I'm, I'm potentially in the market for a new pair this year, but they get the job done enough. Uh, that I, I don't know if I'd be willing to compromise with a, a third-party pair. Do you think the M1 iPad Pro is that much better in performance than the fourth-gen iPad Pro? I don't believe there's software on the iPad to make that big a difference. I do think there is a big performance difference between A12Z and M1, but you will not notice it on an iPad, uh, unless you're planning on exporting videos frequently with LumaFusion. You might notice a little bit of a difference there, but... I edited a ProRes video on my 2018 iPad Pro with the A12X chip and it exported insanely fast. Like it's still a very powerful piece of silicon. Um but I I don't think for 98 99% of tasks you use your iPad for, you will notice the those different chip speeds. Um let's see. Are you on started, uh, Yeah, we're streaming on T-Mobile. Starlink is uh, Starlink is off. I'm going to show you. This is the router. <laughs> it's disconnected. Um, so I'm testing it right now. And uh, it's so far so good. But um, I've heard a lot of complaints in the comments section on my last video. So I think the long-term review of T-Mobile could change. But in the meantime, it's it's good. It's good. Impressions are pretty positive right off the bat. But I love this router design. It's so sleek. And it's and it's like actual metal. I don't think this is plastic. Maybe it is, but it definitely feels metal. It's like cold to the touch, which is cool. So we're streaming on T-Mobile right now, for those curious. Hopefully it holds up. Um, this is actually the first public live stream on this channel I've done. The channel members uh, got to watch my editing stream uh, yesterday. Oh, I forgot to I forgot to make it so the animations pop up. Sorry, but I appreciate the super sticker, uh, Scott Medina. Thank you so much for your support. It helps me do what I do. So, yeah. In all, all my live stream testing, T-Mobile's been very, very smooth. There we go. Okay, the animation still played. Appreciate it. Um, I like my workflow to be seamless. That only happens with Apple. Yeah, I don't think it would be as seamless with a pair of Sony's or, or Surface headphones. But I don't know. It might be worth a shot. Um, let's see. What I mean is they just released a new chassis on the high end. They have never kept one model on the old chassis they didn't in 2016. uh I guess but that was I don't know that that switch to type C felt like a bigger design upgrade um if we're applying that logic then they shouldn't have kept uh the 13 inch chassis with the 14 inch and 16 inch chassis they've already done that they're already selling both when the 2016 in when the 2016 MacBook Pros came out I'm pretty sure they got rid of all the 2015 models right away um scott is watching on t-mobile cool do you still pay attention to other phones besides apple not very much honestly i don't even pay that much attention to apple's phones (laughs) i personally think let's address this because other tech channels probably aren't going to let's address the fact that the tech community as a whole is starving for news (laughs) i admit this some people probably won't but um i think that the tech community at least The post PC age of technology is getting progress uh, exponentially more and more stale because technology is maturing. And, you know, once we figured out all of the practical and functional features a phone could have, we started attacking aesthetics. And then for the past five years, it hasn't really been a ton of functionality. It's just been tackling bezels and getting the display as big as possible and making the phone look and feel futuristic. And that was all that was prioritized. Now we've had that for several years and these tech companies don't really know where to go from here. Um, we're desperately trying to come up with, uh, exciting technology that everyday people can buy, whether it's AR glasses or, or VR headsets or foldables, or there's little things here and there that companies come up with, but none of them are catching on, um, like the iPhones did or like iPads did. Um, so yeah, it's like Android is desperately trying to come up with new things, but a lot of it is just refinement on top of refinement on top of refinement. And that's very, very hard to get excited or interested in because the differences at the end of the day are going to be so minor. That's why, you know, Marquez reviewed the S22 Ultra recently and he openly admitted he's sticking with the S21 Ultra. So a new one came out and he's like, nah, don't like this new camera design. I don't really use the S Pen. I'm just going to keep using... Last year's model because I like it and it gets the job done for me. I'm in the iPhone realm. I'm doing the exact same thing. Uh, there, I know there's an iPhone 14 coming out later this year, and I know it's probably going to have uh, eye hole instead of a notch, which is a funny name. And uh, it'll probably have some camera improvements. It'll have the A16 chip, but my current phone is so good already. The battery life is so long. The display is excellent. I don't care about the notch. The notch is fine. It's a non-issue. I think the tech community acts like it's a bigger issue than it really is because it's not. And, well, yeah, it would be nice to have USB-C. I'd charge my phone via MagSafe every day anyway. So even me as the Apple sheep, the tech community guy, I'm finding less and less reasons to upgrade year over year. The only reason I got this was 120 hertz. If <clears throat> if, it, if this did not have it, I would have kept my 12 mini for another year. So, viewership across all tech channels not just mine for the record but yeah if you go and look at um Travis MCP did a video on this but in general apple following android channels pc channels pc building channels mac channel everyone is seeing just an overall trend of there's less stuff to talk about there's less things to get excited for which is why we've focused uh, me and my wife have focused a lot on Basically, preparing for the worst in terms of the tech news drought is not a drought. It's kind of the new normal. This is just how it's going to be, I think, moving forward. And I'm fine with that because it just means we have to get more into the weeds. We got to talk about more um, techy, geeky things that average consumers aren't going to be as interested in. Things that aren't groundbreaking. Talking about the M2 chip in a MacBook Pro, or talking about what kind of silicon will go in a Mac Mini. This is not as exciting to the everyday person. This is, this is more exciting for the enthusiasts in the tech community. And because of that, you're going to lose, we're going to lose people. There's going to be less people interested. And I accept that. I'm not, I'm not trying to fight that. I'm not trying to, you know, clickbait my way to the top or come up with crazy titles and thumbnails that are just lies, which unfortunately that's what a lot of the tech community I think has resulted to, you know, they can, they can do what they want with their channels, but I've definitely seen a large spike in channels turning non-stories into stories because they ran out of things to talk about. So whenever there's a tiny bit of news, they have to blow it up like it's the biggest thing ever. And it requires just a lot of flat out lying where you just put things that are not true at all in the title and thumbnail because you need people to click. So that's why we focused on getting our expenses down, having as little overhead as possible so that. You know, I can keep doing this because I'm okay getting into the techie and geeky things. Um, I'm perfectly fine just talking about nerdy subjects and not really talking about groundbreaking innovative technology every day because I know it's not really practical to assume there's always going to be that kind of stuff to talk about. So I'm definitely putting more attention and time into the EV channel because I think that has more room to grow. And I am seeing growth in that sector where I'm seeing the opposite in tech. There's more and more people watching EV content. There's less and less people watching tech content. Um, you got to separate the two. By tech, I mean computers, laptops, watches, phones, tablets, that kind of stuff. And by EV, I just mostly mean electric vehicles, of course. So we're preparing for it, and we're trying to be uh, smart about it so that we can prepare for this to get worse over time. Um, Because I do think that as all smartphones start to look the same, this all stemmed from someone asking... Do you pay attention to phones that aren't Apple? Not closely. I mean, I watch everything Marquez posted, and I watched his reviews of the S22, and they seem fine. Once again, it's kind of like his example of there's a new Toyota Camry that comes out every year so that when someone is in the market for a Toyota Camry, they get the latest and greatest tech that's available. But that does not mean that someone who bought the 2020 Toyota Camry will need to upgrade to the 2021 Toyota Camry because the differences between those two models are going to be so small, so insignificant. I think we're seeing that with phones now. It used to not be that way. In the early days, there was a lot of room for growth and the smartphone world world was exploding thanks to Samsung with the Note 7. And there was just so much peaked interest and there was so much demand for what else can you do? What else can this phone do? And that couldn't last forever. We couldn't keep up that pace of innovation. We couldn't uh, keep up that that rate uh, indefinitely it had to come to an end because eventually you kind of figure out all of the best possible features a phone can have and you you're you're mature and sure after a year you'll come up with some little improvement here and there but for the most part you you're mostly just refining and that's that's where i see smartphones and watches and tablets and stuff going so again i'm not trying to say this is like I'm planning on abandoning this channel or I'm not going to talk on here because I do like talking with enthusiasts and I, and I am a geek and I do pay attention to little details. And I like talking with people about small changes in iPad OS or small changes with, uh, AirPods or watch bands or, you know, I like those little details, but I I understand inherently they're just not going to get as much views or uh, there's not going to be as many people into that. And that's okay. Um, So yeah, S22 didn't excite me in any way. It was just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's what the specs look like. Okay, the camera, still okay. It's fine. All right, it's got an S Pen now. So it's a note, but not a note. (laughs) So yeah, I'm, I'm just adopting to the times. I'm just trying to find my place in all this. I don't know exactly what my place is, but I'm doing my best to apply what I enjoy doing and hopefully finding an audience that is interested in what I enjoy doing. And I'm grateful for the people watching and the people sticking around because I know it's it's hard to get excited for tech content when there's less exciting tech. So I totally understand why some people may get bored of me or may get tired of me and wanna move on and watch other things, that's fine. Um, so for the people who stay, thank you. For the people who go, Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a, hope you find good stuff out there. Um, Let's see. The Taylor's of podcast artwork showed up in the MQBHD review. I know that's happened several times now, but everyone freaks out whenever it happens. Uh, Do you, do we need a new computer or smartphone every year? What if tech companies did what Tesla and car manufacturers do and only release a new thing every few years? That's actually not what car companies do. Most Tesla adds new things to their hardware constantly. they one month they'll be using a certain component and then the next month they'll update it to something else. And most car companies do have model year upgrades. So I would argue that smartphones and uh, laptops and tablets and stuff, they're already doing what car companies do. Which is, are, are they going to make the argument that everyone who bought the iPhone 13 should buy the iPhone 14? No. But if someone's been on the iPhone 10R or the iPhone 8 for several years and they're ready to make the upgrade... You better make sure that they have all the latest and greatest technology possible. If we started releasing new smartphones once every two years or every three years, then there'd be a ton of people that are like, okay, I'm ready to upgrade. And then you buy a phone with three-year-old technology because that's the latest and greatest. So it's not about making sure everyone buys the latest one every year. It's more just about um making sure when people do upgrade, whether it's every five years or four years or two years, they get the best that is available to them. So making sure that there's annual refreshes, it just makes too much sense for Apple. There's really m- not much incentive for them to stop doing that. Um, let's see. You guys always have the Ericsson channel, vlogs and families make a ton of money. Well, not the Ericsson's channel, but for now um, I do post my travel vlogs and my, my family videos and stuff on Taylos so of talks. And there's more, more of our uh, train journey across the country to post. So once I get uh, editing through more of that footage, there will be more stuff to watch over the, there. Um, ben Rayner says, I did my first live stream on my U- new YouTube channel today. Short one, because I had zero views, but I had fun doing it. That's awesome, Ben. I think that YouTube is far more, uh, pleasurable if you're enjoying the process and not, you know, your goal is not just to get as many views or as many subscribers as possible, because guess what? You're never going to be happy enough. If, if that's what you put joy in is just getting clicks and getting numbers and seeing that number grow or your AdSense grow and that kind of thing, it can always be better. There's always going to be someone bigger than you. And there's always going to be someone growing faster than you that you can be jealous of and think, what am I doing wrong? So even PewDiePie has a T-series, right? Um, there's always going to be someone that's that's beating you out, unless, of course, you're Mr. Beast. Okay, maybe he can say, well, no one's beating me. I don't know. But <laughs> um, I would just say most of us are not
1: Mr. Beast. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And um,
0: even if everyone was trying to be Mr. Beast, which there kind of is a lot right now, uh, it's... It wouldn't work if everyone was doing it. I think the key to a lot of YouTube success is is supply and demand. And Mr. Beast found something that there's a lot of demand for, and probably not as much supply for, which was just kind of like an honest, uh, good-hearted channel that focuses on like donating money to various causes and doing it in creative ways and entertaining ways. And now there's probably a ton more channels trying to copy him, but because he kind of pioneered it, um, he's he's ahead of everybody so but not everyone could be him now, if everyone did the exact same thing then it wouldn't be as it wouldn't do as well you wouldn't make as much from it um let's see i probably missed a bunch of messages uh i have the iphone 13 mini for work and the 13 pro for personal use i enjoy both both are good i don't see a need to change phones for a while that's amazing someone has both iphone 13 i guess that's one way to do it um what's taking apple so long to bring back the 12 inch macbook m2 would be perfect for it i think my theory with that is that the 12 inch macbook was more dependent on the butterfly keyboard which did not go over well and now apple has completely scrapped it from every laptop i don't know if you can do the magic keyboard on the 12 inch design because it's thinner than the macbook air the macbook air can do the magic keyboard i'm not sure if there's enough room in that thing to actually make the keys that thick because one of the reasons they were so happy about the butterfly keyboard was how thin it was. It takes up so little space. So maybe they could do that with the small design, and they they're afraid to bring back the butterfly keyboard because everyone hated it. Um, they even listed the Magic Keyboard on the MacBook Pros as an upsell. They were like, "Now the keys are quieter and more stable because you know we got rid of that butterfly design." So, yeah, I I don't think uh, that necessarily needs to come back but i think the closest reincarnation of the 12-inch macbook is likely going to be the m2 macbook air based on what we've heard about it from leakers and analysts if they end up being correct sometimes they're all wrong we get things like the apple watch series 7 which everyone was way way wrong on um but for the most part it sounds like they want the m2 macbook air to be super thin super light even thinner and even lighter than the current macbook air so if that's the case Definitely expect a a very, very thin compact MacBook, maybe just as thin as the 12 inch. But yeah, I love that form factor. It was just the specs were terrible. They had to put in this really, really low end Intel processor and it was insanely slow. So yeah, I agree. It would make a lot of sense to put M2 in there. Thank you for the super chat, Alpha. He says, how to succeed on YouTube? Nobody knows. (laughs) There's definitely like running themes that I think can help but yeah there's there's no like one size fits all there's no secret formula that anybody can apply it depends a lot on what you know what you enjoy and um timing like I think if I started my Taylos of tech channel today it probably never would have got off the ground um depends a lot on the market you know I was I, I was making tech videos at the right place at the right time about the right things part of it was um me just trying to make something that people were interested in. But the other part of it, it was just luck. You know, if I, if I was younger, if I was born later, if I was born in 2003 or 2004, and I was just starting to make tech videos now, I I don't think it would have worked. I don't think I could have made a job out of it. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's a lot of luck. It's sometimes you can be the best you can be, but if there's not enough demand for what you're making, then it doesn't, it doesn't catch on. And I definitely think the tech community is incredibly saturated right now. So many people all are making and covering the same stuff, which, of course, lowers the overall watch time for everybody because you can't watch everything. So people got to find their little clicks and people got to find the personalities and the channels they like. To those of you who like this channel and like my type of content, I'm very grateful. Thank you. But um, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the best channel. There's definitely way better channels out there. So... But yeah, like Variety Entertainment says, YouTube is about making the videos you enjoy making, um, in my opinion, and not caring about how many watch. I mean, it's not a good business model, but still, that's true. But I think there's a there's a delicate balance between what's a good business model and what's actually enjoyable. Because if if everything is about the business model, you're completely at liberty to the algorithm. And every decision you make is going to be based on pleasing that algorithm and making sure you get as many views and subscribers as possible. And you'll notice a lot of similarities with all the channels over 10 million subscribers. They've got a great business model, but they all start to blur into the same techniques. Everybody's got to say the same things. Everybody's got to make the same thumbnails. Everyone's got to do the same thing. And I don't know if that's enjoyable. If it is enjoyable, then great. But I think the process definitely takes a hit when you just prioritize the business model um, over everything else title videos like this how to succeed at YouTube my seven secrets now <laughs> click the I'm feeling lucky button um, I need a meme channel if YouTube wasn't so picky about copyright then I would love to make a meme channel but I'm kind of scared to because of how dated and kind of broken copyright law is I'm kind of hesitant to use any type of video that's not mine because it freaks out. Mark Sequin says, "My girlfriend and I decided there's better use for that kind of cash plus we didn't have all that much time in our day to sit down and dedicate to wearing a pair of headphones that much." That's fair. That's why we watch YouTube videos, I guess, to see what other people think. Skylar says, "Oddly enough, I just put down a deposit on a new Toyota Camry on Monday. It's a hybrid." Well, I hope it I hope it works well for you. Congratulations. Uh, let's see. Your channel really came at the perfect storm around Apple's three most hated decisions. No headphone jack, touch bar, notch, all in that year. Was that all at once? No, the notch was in 2017. Headphone jack was 2016. And the touch bar was also 2016. But yeah, there was there was a lot of Apple scrutiny as I was rising, and that helped a ton. I actually just think most of it was just following the iPhone X launch, because the iPhone 10. I still stand by this. The iPhone 10 was the biggest iPhone upgrade year-over-year year of all time. There has never been an upgrade as major as 2017. Just the sheer number of noticeable changes, um, like going from a, a metal back to a glass back, going from 16 by 9 to the 2 by one weird ratio, the curved corners, going to OLED, going to Face ID from Touch ID, going to the vertical cameras, going to wireless charging. Um, 64 gigs became the standard... Uh, the gesture control instead of the home button. Like, steel chassis instead of aluminum. Like, so much changed all at once. I don't think we'll ever get that many upgrades, noticeable ones, year over year. Obviously, if you get into the weeds a little bit, it's like, well, this is the 120 hertz year. That's a big deal. It's like, yeah. It's... For the average consumer, iPhone 10 was still, like, biggest upgrade ever. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I got phone fatigue about two years ago. I have very low interest in phones nowadays. I'm deep into battery EVs and have ordered a Model 3 long range, taking delivery next week. Congratulations. That's awesome, Jari. Sorry, that one gets applause because he bought a Tesla. So I, I had to... I'm the Tesla sheep now. I got to I gotta be open about my bias, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, think I kind of know how you're feeling. I personally think that smartphone upgrades and all the changes coming with phones and tablets and stuff... Um, yeah, honesty is important, like James was saying. like Just be honest about the fact that this is just not as interesting as it used to be. We can still talk about it. And we can still speculate about the changes. That's fine. But let's not kid ourselves. This is not as big a deal. <laughs> it's We're following it. I'm curious. I'm still going to watch every Apple event and live stream my reaction to it. Of course, I'm going to keep doing that because Apple events are fun and I like seeing the cinematography and I like hearing their wording and sometimes their surprises. And I actually love it when all the leakers say one thing and then they're all wrong. Watching that live in real time is is, is really fun when you find out everybody was wrong. But regardless of all that, there's just less stuff going on in Apple and Samsung, everything. There's just less stuff to get pumped for. Uh, even the foldable thing kind of came and went really fast. It was like, oh, man, fold, phones are folded. Okay, all right, yeah, this one's still kind of clunky. This is still kind of expensive. I don't like the crease. And every year, the foldables have very quickly turned into, like, same old, same old for me. Um, you just, here's another review of a foldable. And they're always like, yeah, it's it, it's good if you like folding phones. If you don't want a folding phone, though, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> we just keep kind of repeating ourselves. Um, that's true, Scott, we are friends, so you're biased, but, uh, there's, in my opinion, just far more interesting and far more fascinating development going on in the EV space right now, because it's kind of at the beginning of its adoption, you know, we're, we're still in the phase of electric vehicle sales are like 2%, 4%, 6% of, uh, annual auto sales. So there's a lot of growth, uh, to come. But it's not, it's not here yet. Whereas smartphones is the opposite. Smartphones already experience most of their growth. I think I read somewhere there's like 3 billion active smartphone users in today's world. And I don't know how much more you can grow. I mean, if you are growing, you're probably growing in like India. And, you know, the places that aren't going to be buying latest and greatest. The The rest of the 3 or 4 billion people that buy smartphones are not going to be buying foldables or flagships they're going to be buying like cheap cheap super affordable you know oppo and huawei phones that sell for like a hundred bucks or something um yeah i want to get ready for the good morning from tim cook i always enjoy those it's just it's just a fan base you know it's an enthusiast thing so i'm always happy to be a part of it i actually think if i can get a solid signal it would be really fun to watch an apple event at apple headquarters it might be kind of fun just like drive down to Cupertino. Uh I'm not invited, but I would just be like at the campus as I'm watching it. <laughs> I would still have to watch it on the screen, but still I think it could be fun. That kind of stuff. So, I think there might be another surge in in tech interest if Apple did something big like AR glasses. I think that could change a lot or a car, but um yeah, I don't think we're we're close on that. Um James says he held the seat flip. I wasn't impressed. I still don't get the point of foldables. It delivers no advantage over our current ones. There's an advantage on paper, but in reality, it's not a big advantage. Typically, the argument is that it allows for a larger display and a more compact design. But the truth is, if you want a larger display, it still results in a much larger phone that's heavier and bulkier. And that larger display is like 7 inches No, not even. It's like 6.3 inches, right? Or 6.5? Or no, wait. I think it's 8 point... I can't remember. I'm sorry. I'm I'm normally pretty good at this. The display in the Z Fold 3 is not that big. It's like smaller than an iPad mini, which is already like the smallest tablet that actually sells pretty well. So the advantages are fairly small. They're just not noticeable to most people. Mark says, have any of your devices get left behind by Apple updates, Safari updates, or a program slash website requiring you to update to a version you can't update to? I think the oldest Apple device I use regularly, hmm, probably my iMac Pro. I guess that's from December of 2017. I don't do much with it. It's basically just turned into my YouTube machine where I just play videos on it and then I do all my work on my... MacBook Pro, because the speakers on the iMac Pro are still great and um, it's a much bigger display. It's not mini LED, but it's much bigger than my MacBook. So if I want to have something playing as I'm working, I do technically use my iMac Pro. And with Universal Control, I take the mouse and control the iPad with it. So nothing has been like your hardware is out of date. I don't think I use anything like that frequently, but I saw Mark was asking earlier, like, what's the oldest piece of tech I use? regularly if you're not counting like camera I have a tripod that I've had since the attic days Uh, the tripod I put my camera on I've had that tripod like probably six or seven years now also the tripod I put my microphone on was my dad's tripod and he used that tripod in college so it's like (laughs) from the 80s I think it's a very very old tripod um that's probably old unless you count my house My house has a heater to keep me warm. That heater was probably built in the 60s because my house is super-duper old. So if you're counting all technology, probably something related to the house, like the heater. But if you're just talking Apple, then my iMac Pro, I think. Um, Let's see. I I was this close to buying a Model 3, but I couldn't quite justify the price for my situation. I figure hybrids a step in the right direction. Plus the logos are both a T. So there's that. Well, yeah, as long as the logo is a T, that's all that matters. Yeah. Honestly, I'm per- perfectly fine with people not buying Teslas because there's a huge backlog for Teslas right now. So whoever doesn't buy one makes it easier for the next person to get one. So I'm like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, no one buy a Tesla, please, please. Tesla, catch up on these orders. Um, yeah, my, my dad's tripod has a mullet. Exactly. <laughs> Um, Michael Corcoran says, I think there are advantages to foldables, but they're just not good enough for me to justify getting a plastic screen that seemed to break right along that annoying crease. Yeah. I know we've been saying it for years, but everyone basically just keeps saying, well, over time when there's no compromises and it's just another feature. And I'm like, I, I think inherently there has to be compromises. I'm worried that there's not really any way you can actually develop a, a folding phone that doesn't have to compromise on battery or price or durability or uh, complexity with the hinge or the or to me it's not so much the crease, but it's it's more so the the feeling. Just touching a plastic display does not feel satisfying. I know it's not a functional issue, but if I'm spending a thousand dollars or so on a phone, I don't I don't want to feel this like cheap plasticky feels like a toy. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, the, the The texture of that screen doesn't give me confidence that the phone is well built or, or durable. That's the kind of feeling I get from glass, even though I've seen snazzy labs throw his Z flip around on Twitter many times. I know that glass on phones is probably more likely to scratch than the plastic on the foldable just from micro, you know, pocket lint and little rocks and stuff. I don't notice any major scratches on mine if I like shine it. In front of a bright light, I could probably find little artifacts here and there. But nothing major. Nothing I'm going to notice when I'm just using my phone like a phone. Um, when am I getting yours? Uh, the goal is before the end of this year. Kind of depends on... There's a there's a Tesla fund, but we don't usually talk about it on Tech Channel. That's an EV-related thing. But we're saving up right now. Um, and the Tesla fund is is coming along pretty pretty well so far. And we're hoping to get one probably the second half of this year at some point. If we go with the Model 3, we might be able to get it in the, like summertime. But if we go with the Y, then we might wait till the end of the year. But that's that's EV. We can't talk about it here. Too much EV talk. Um, does the new M1 Max chip in the 16-inch display overheat? I have not found a way to do it yet. Um. Actually, I ran a stream test yesterday because I got this T-Mobile home internet and uh, I wanted to see... Um, how it would do when live streaming. And I had the Java version of Minecraft, which I don't think is optimized for Apple Silicon yet, or maybe it is, I don't know. You guys probably know more about it than I do. But I just hadn't opened the application in forever. I opened it up, the computer got really hot and the fans kicked in. I don't know what the definition of overheating is. Does that mean like it has to shut down? But it was definitely not running at 60 FPS. It was showing signs of, you know, chugging and the the GPU was kind of slugging a little bit. But um, I leave that up to the game not being optimized properly. I don't think it was actually an issue with M1 Max because I know for a fact that my M1 Max is faster and has better graphics than my iMac Pro does. But my iMac Pro could play Minecraft at 5K. So yeah, it very rarely gets to the point where the fans are like actually running at full speed. Most of the time, like right now, it's perfectly quiet. I can't. Yeah, I can't hear the fans at all. Um, so you you can bring an M1 Max to its knees, but it's not easy. That's all I'll say. Um, let's see. Will Apple be going back to older designs? Do you think we will ever see a phone like the original or 3G? Hoping not for 3G design. Yeah, I was going to say Apple bias. I do not want another iPhone like the 3G because it, it bowed. The whole thing was like a boat. It was not flat on the back, which meant that if it... I, only, I never owned one. Uh, it was before I was old enough to have a phone. But when the 3G and 3GS were out, um, I never really got to like play around with one. But later on, I think in 2017 or something, a, a friend of mine sent me a, a 3G to play with and just kind of look at for a video. And I set it on a desk, and the whole thing just wobbles back and forth the entire time. It's like it, it won't sit flat at all. It's worse than the camera bump because it, it's like a you know, half circle on the back. So I, am not a fan of that. It probably felt very comfortable in the hand, but the original iPhone was flat on the back. I still have one of those sitting in the box over there. Um, so that could actually rest flat on a table, which I liked. Um, let's see. My problem with foldables is the only examples where I can imagine wanting to unfold it into a tablet are situations where just pulling out an iPad would be just as easy. Like on an airplane, I'd rather pull out my iPad to watch a movie than unfold my phone and drain its battery. That's the thing. It's kind of in this weird form factor because most iPads are not iPad minis. iPad mini is not the best-selling iPad as much as I may want it to be. Um, The best-selling iPads are the $300 10-inch ones, which 10-inch display tablet, I think, is very, very different from the 7.6-inch display of the Z Fold um, like you kind of get more screen real estate, but because of the aspect ratio, it's really not, if you're watching a movie or something, it's really not that much bigger than what a big phone would offer. And a lot more people are buying things like the iPad Air or the iPad Pro, at the 11 inch. So that's, that's kind of the sweet spot Apple's discovered. iPads sell the best when they're between 9 and 11 inches probably, around the 10 inch form factor. And there's no foldable coming anywhere close to that. It's more like, slightly even more compact iPad mini. And the iPad mini is already quite a bit um, small. So yeah, I, I I, don't think that that's the tablet form factor most people are looking at. So if your argument is that you can combine a smartphone and a tablet, it's like, yeah, but it's a pretty crappy phone and a pretty tiny tablet for more than it would cost to just get them both separately. So Yeah, but a lot of the reviews I was watching and people telling me about their, like, people who own Z Folds and use them as their daily drivers for, like, a year or so, they would typically not unfold the phone when they were in public because that was an issue I brought up with the Z Flip is it adds this extra step of when you take the phone out of your pocket, now you've got to unfold it to unlock it instead of just unlocking it. Um, So what I found myself doing when I was reviewing the Z Flip is I would often just start to put the phone in my pocket without folding up because it was easier to pull it out of the pocket when it's in a rectangular form. When it's a little square, you have to reach further down to grab it. And I was getting tired of trying to unfold it every single time. So I just would leave it unfolded in my pocket. And I I realized that other people were experiencing that same thing because people were saying, if I'm out and about and I'm just walking around or I'm at a restaurant or something, they would just use the external display and they would not unfold it. And the only times they would unfold it is when they were at home or sitting down. So kind of like what uh, Telephone Backgrounds is saying. It's a clever name. Uh, he, was, he was often bringing up that, like, if I'm in a situation where I can unfold the phone and use the full big display, it's probably a situation I could just pull out an iPad just as easily and probably save a ton of money. And I would have a much bigger display and a much uh, more premium feeling, you know, glass, no crease, and uh, you'd have a more re- real estate to work with at the end of the de- at the end of the day. So I guess the truth is, two in ones are much worse than the separate products they're trying to replace. Not always. There can be two in ones that are better, but um, it's it's pretty rare these days. Like it's not really a two in one, but the smartphone was replacing a ton of things all at once. I think that's one of the reasons the smartphone was such a big deal and such a big impact on the planet and our technology as a whole was because the smartphone could replace your iPod, you know, your CD player, your music player, you know, it could replace your camera. It could replace your contact book. It could replace your photo albums. It could replace, uh, you know, your cell phone. People had flip phones that were just for calling and texting, obviously. So it was an internet communicator. It was a great iPod and it was a, you know, it, it replaced so many things at once that it killed off basically everything that it was trying to replace. Now, now nobody has, well, very few people have iPods or uh dedicated cell phones anymore. You can just bake all that into one product. So I agree with Ben Rayner though. I would love an iPad MacBook hybrid, like just a 16 inch iPad pro that could run ipad os and mac os on a single device i would i would totally buy that the hardware exists the hardware and software exists to make my my dream apple product but because apple is apple they don't want to do it um yeah I, I would be more interested in a i agree i would be more interested in an ipad and macbook hybrid device than i would a iphone ipad hybrid device do you think apple can shrink the iphone bezels even more oh yeah there's plenty of room they could I mean, it's not going to be as big a deal as going from iPhone 7 to iPhone 10. But yeah, you got, look at that, big, fat, chunky bezels. We're not going to stop until the display and the pixels go right to the metal and they're just touching the chassis. They could get smaller, but it's just probably not going to matter. Everyone, most people get cases anyway. So even if you got the bezel impossibly thin, people are still going to put a big, chunky OtterBox rubber exterior to it on it. When will Apple kill the iPod? That's a good video idea. I think I'll, I'll do that next. Um, would you do a video on what if, if you order Tesla today and finance it, the overall price is cheaper by paying it off early compared to buying it l- later, paying cash due to price increases? The problem is the interest is uh, guaranteed and the price increases are not guaranteed. So it's kind of depends on depends on how you pay for it. But yeah. Tesla's are constantly getting new hardware and new additions at the factory line too. So if you get one early, you might not have features that someone who's waiting will get. Um, I'd be way more interested in a folding Mac slash iPad than a folding iPhone slash iPad. I know. Cause I already see a, not a folding. I think whenever we refer to foldables, we're referring to the display itself folding. I don't need, I don't need the display to fold. I'm just saying basically put Mac OS on an iPad and then make a beefed up iPad. Make a, make a M1 Max version of the iPad. We know that those chips can work without fans or with very little fans. And I would just like one device that can do everything I currently need two devices for. Same way someone might want a camera and their cell phone and their iPod to all be combined into one product. Just like there's people that want that, I want these two to go together. Uh, I'm the only one on the planet who doesn't care one way or another about the notch. You're definitely not. I actually would argue most people on the planet do not care about the notch. I assure you. Um, let's see. What'd you do? Oh, I already answered that one. Foldables to me only make sense if you want it to be your only computer. I'm not that type of person. And I assume most people aren't like that either. Yeah, usually because foldables are so expensive. If you have that kind of money up for a phone, then you probably already have another tablet or a computer anyway. I don't see the Z Fold 3 replacing most tablets in the world. Um, Ryan says, I used the 3GS as my first iPhone when my town was still Edge. That was rough. Fortunately, AT&T upgraded to 3G in my town at the end of 2009, and I finally had decent service. Luckily, I did not have a cell phone back then, so I, I don't have to experience the pain of 3G. Um, Do I sleep with my watch? Occasionally. Like today, I had to get up early because we were recording the Telos of tech and EV podcasts and we wanted to get it over early in the morning because everybody had things to do. So I did not want to sleep in. So I I wore my watch to bed last night so that I could use the silent alarm. It just taps me uh, when it's time to wake up. But uh, most of the time, no. Usually the battery life is good enough that I can get through two days, no problem. So occasionally, if I have to get up early for something, I'll set the alarm. But most of the time, I just charge it overnight. Um, Scott says, I've never once heard the fans in my M1 Pro. Well, that's good. I guess you don't need to. Uh, Let's see. Like on an airplane? Oh, yeah. I already answered that. Um, Some people sleep with their watch every night. They just got to find a time of the day to charge it. I normally don't find one, so it's easier for me to just drop my watch on the charger at the end of the day. And I'd re- if I can help it, I would rather not sleep with a watch on just because sometimes if I'm adjusting in bed or just moving over, I'll I'll rub the digital crown and the display will wake up. Even if I'm on theater mode, I normally turn on theater mode when I go to sleep so the display doesn't wake up. But the screen is still too bright. Even in completely dark environments, it'll light up the room even at its darkest setting. And I'm like, ah, stop. So I'm, I'm doing this in the middle of the night trying to get it to shut up. Uh Telephone says... Also, I feel like the phones like the Z Fold are completely point- pointless when an Apple Watch can do more than the tiny screen on the front. If you don't want the bulk, just bring the watch. Yeah, I think I would also definitely want that because the watch I don't have to pull out of my pocket. The weird clunky thing about the the yeah like the Z Flip is that external display can't do very much. It gives you a little bit. It can give you a notification or you know help you with the camera preview or something like that, but the watch... I don't even have to pull that out of my pocket. If I'm pulling the phone out of my pocket, I would rather just unfold it. I'd rather not fold it at all. That that way I just have a lock screen. People were talking about the external display on the flip like it's an advantage. I, I see it more as like a requirement. If that display wasn't there, it would be much harder to check notifications and just doing that simple little thing where you take your phone out of your pocket and you're just like, okay, got it. And then you put it down. I get to bypass that a lot because of my Apple Watch and thanks to the Series 7 the display is so big. I now have a QWERTY keyboard, and I can read a, a lot of text. I, I put the text on uh, the smallest possible setting so I can get whole paragraphs and stuff. And I'll read a lot. I'll check email and respond to. I don't usually respond, but I, I will um, read through emails and their contents. And if there's links in it, I'll tap them. And so I use my watch for a lot. That's my like at a glance thing. That it's like it's it's just on my wrist at any time. So. Um I have yeah, okay, I read that one placing oh, Marngel says the reason why the smartphone is successful in replacing multiple devices is because it's only replacing items with similar form factors combining two form factors like iPhone and iPad won't work. hmm that's an interesting theory. if you'd combine devices of similar size, I'm trying to think. I mean the iPhone is actually quite a bit bigger than the iPod, but it is it is more in a similar. There's more size equivalents in an iPod and an iPhone than there is an iPad and a phone. Maybe less so if you compare Pro Max to iPad mini. They're pretty close, but still quite a big difference. If you use the sleep focus mode instead of theater mode, it works better. I couldn't get that to work the way I liked. Um, I don't remember. I think I used it once, but I didn't. I don't know. I didn't like it. It was weird. Maybe I need to give it another shot. It's probably changed since the last time I've used it. Um, a folding Mac iPad hybrid would actually replace a device for me. I don't see a folding phone doing that. I feel like I'd still want a larger screen tablet. Yeah, unless you find some way to, with without durability issues and without compromise, make a 10-inch iPad that can fold into an iPhone form factor... I don't think you can. Every hinge is adding another $1,000. It's so complicated. So if you had two hinges and had like a Z pattern to unfold, there would be two creases, extra complexity, even more division of battery cells and electronics, and it would probably feel flimsy and not good. So yeah, I think you might be onto something there, Margell. If you try to replace devices of different sizes, it's it's not going to be as good a compromise. Um, the original iPhone was actually thinner than the iPod of the time but slightly wider yeah when it first came out but I just mean
1: more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: iPhones have grown a lot since then, obviously. Uh, what about the 12-core M1 Ultra? I haven't seen concrete evidence of that being real. Um, all I know is they just have a custom silicon ready for the Mac Pro, but we don't know what that's gonna be called. Who knows? Maybe they won't even call it M1 something. Cause, you know, we we started the stream talking about M one chips. My theory is that maybe we're done with the M one era and everything's just gonna be a branding of M two, even if the the architecture and the cores are very similar to that of the M one Pro. You know, it's the same logic of people saying You know, the M1 chip is really the A14X chip. It's like, well, maybe it would have been, but that's not how Apple branded it. So maybe we're going to argue the M2 Pro or the M2 Max is basically the M1 Ultra because they just take M1 Maxes and stitch them together and and double up on the dies. So if that's the case, then yeah, it's technically an M2 by branding, but... I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see how it pans out. I, I personally think we might not get any more M1 chips. It just feels weird if they announce an M2 and then later on announce a M1 Ultra, and they haven't really done any branding above Max. So we already have M1 Max. I don't know what they're going to brand for higher than that or better than that. Maybe it won't even be M1. Maybe maybe it'll be P1. You know, some other letter. Just because like this is our desktop grade apple silicon this is these are chips designed for uh, mac pros and imac pros they're not designed for laptops they're not designed for power efficiency and that kind of thing um lewis says i'm interested in cheaper apple displays with promotion that's definitely high on my wish list of like things that i might buy from apple this year i don't i don't need a new phone i don't need a new watch i don't need a new laptop but i would be very very interested in a new external monitor that's 120 hertz And uh, also new AirPods Pros or AirPods Maxes. Either of those I'd be interested in. iPhone 14 is getting thicker. How thick you think it will be? I personally don't think it'll be that different. I I personally am predicting. Camera bump is staying. Apple's shown very little interest in getting rid of the camera bump. So I, I think the bump will still be here. Maybe the chassis is a tad thicker. But not kind of the same difference between 12 and 13. The 13 got a tad bit thicker than the 12. But not by much. Um, I think it'd be cool if they bring back the blueberry color iBook, but put an M1 Max chip in it with the 64 gigs of RAM. (laughs) You're going against Apple's logic, though. You can't have colorful and professional. If it's professional, it has to be gray and black and silver that you can't have. You can't have colorful pro stuff as much as I may want it. No, I agree with you. It'd be nice. I, I would totally buy a product red 13 pro. Um. I would also buy a product red MacBook Pro if they offered one. That would be kind of dope looking, or at least just accents of red, maybe. Yeah, no, I want more colors on my Pro stuff. But for some reason, Apple's against that. I don't, I don't know the reason why. But yeah, they typically do not. Uh, if there's something colorful, they it, it's the entry level. It's for the everyday people. Just like iPhone 13 has all these color options, and on, uh, 13 Pro color options were very disappointing, frankly. I, I'm not terribly happy with graphite, but I hated it the least out of all the other colors. I wasn't really into Sierra Blue. I went to the Apple Fifth Avenue uh, location in New York City, and I got to check out the the silver, and it's very muted silver. It's not as like bright a white I was hoping it was going to be. So I saw the silver, and I was like, "Eh, I don't think I like that as much." In the what's the the gold one? I never liked the gold look. So yeah, I. I would have definitely taken either a matte black or a product red, and they didn't have either. So, graphite was the closest thing I could get. Um, what company do you think is most likely to create an ecosystem that will rival Apple's? Oof. That's a tough one because I feel like Apple's so far ahead in terms of ecosystem symmet- uh, synergy, and I don't think anyone else is really that close probably Samsung just because man eh, that's a hard one too because they don't design their own operating systems really they rely on Android for their phones and they rely on Windows for their laptops and they rely on I think they Samsung has their own TV operating system but just in terms of hardware they have the best chance at unifying you know with the Galaxy ecosystem of products but I definitely don't think the features the Galaxy ecosystem offers are anywhere close to to Apple Um, I want to say Google just because they designed the software and the hardware on the pixels, but they're really not trying very hard. I was very underwhelmed by the tensor chip. The tensor chip had terrible battery life and it wasn't very powerful compared to the Snapdragon chips. So (laughs) people are saying Disney or Microsoft. Microsoft has control over the software and hardware in the PC department, but really only in the surface line, which is not most people's ecosystems. Most people start their ecosystem with their phone and their headphones and their watch and their tablet and that kind of thing. Uh, If Microsoft got more into the phone world, maybe, but they've tried that and it didn't work. Personally, I think they would be great at it. I don't know why they're trying to do the Surface Duo crap where it's like it's got to fold up and it's got to be a two-in-one and it's a tablet with a line down the middle. It's like and uh, you don't need to be so complicated, Microsoft. Just make a normal Android phone that's preloaded with a bunch of Windows software and has like things that pair with your Windows machine really well. Ryan says this Pixel was disappointing. Yeah, I I didn't even review the Pixel six, but I heard countless people complain about software issues and bugs and the Tensor chip. I was excited at first, you know. I did a video on it. I was like, it's kind of, it's kind of cool that Google is getting into the silicon game and they're going to start making their own chips, just like, uh, just like uh, Apple does. But they did it in their own botched Google way and made it all unpower efficient, unoptimized and it, it, it's kind of good for occasional algorithmic, you know, Google Assistant dictation stuff, but in terms of overall performance and power efficiency, it was, it was terrible. If, if Apple made a chip like the Tensor chip, it would be looked at as a waste of time. It'd be looked at as inefficient and slow and um, it's, it's good at a couple things, but the things that got wrong, I think, were very important. Making sure that your onboard chip is really good at dictation, I don't think should come before power efficiency. Because if your phone has a 4,000 milliamp hour battery and the battery life still sucks, then that's not very good. Um, To be fair, Google has been giving new Android features to Samsung phones first before the Pixel. It's like, I, I feel like the Pixel had so much potential to be the Google of iPhones, you know, of just like ironed out software complete control over the hardware and the software so you get this stock android first you know first party experience but it sounds like to get the best android experience you gotta buy a samsung which is i i guess so i guess my answer would be samsung would be the closest company um i think samsung has the best shot of an ecosystem because they control the hardware well but their software integration is surprisingly solid they even optimized Android better than Google. It shouldn't work that way, but it, it pretty much has. Apple would never make a Tensor style, and it was literally a rebranded Samsung Exynos chip. <laughs> oh, God. Fred says, for the color options, Apple could come up with some sort of sticker that would be applied on the phone. You could... Uh, colors and maybe even patterns and nice images to customize the iPhone's look. Sounds like dbrand, but... Uh I don't think Apple's ever been in favor of that amount of customization because it complicates the supply chain a lot which ends up being very expensive for them. That's why wasn't there like a Moto Design Your Moto website before where you could like customize all the individual components of the phone. They don't do that anymore because it's ended up being too expensive. It's easier to just mass produce a few colors and have people buy those. The more complexity on your assembly line, the more expensive it is to produce your product. Um I can't even keep up with the pixels anymore. Same with OnePlus. Galaxies and iPhones are the only things I hear about often. That's definitely what it feels like. I, I haven't been paying attention to the Android market much because I, I'm not really a customer. I'm very happy with my iPhone the way it is. But from what i am gathered, a lot of people have just lost all interest in the OnePlus line. Like they just kind of have taken more and more of the Oppo train and there's just very little hardware or software going for the one plus line anymore so people are just not interested uh so that means at least for android in the u.s you either have the buggy pixel experience or samsung so most people just go with samsung <laughs> legalized comedy says my only samsung phone was the note 7 and it was great <laughs> it blew up whoops TVA says, the Tensor chip feels like more of a marketing gimmick as a response to Apple's A-series rather than a serious attempt at creating silicon. I don't know if I said something like that in my video, but I had the feeling. I was like, so Google is known for getting really ambitious about something and then not following through with it and just kind of giving up. So it's very possible that in the same way Google kills off things and starts things and gives up on things, they might give up on the Tensor chip very quickly. And they might not try very hard with it. So, yeah, that's probably what happened. I'd say Samsung has the best chance solely because of how many devices they make. Apple doesn't, dishwashers, uh, vacuums, etc. Imagine if they made a smart home that actually doesn't suck. Well, I hope the vacuum would suck. That would be good for it. But, yeah, I, I think that The problem, the only issue preventing Samsung from making an ecosystem as good as Apple's is the fact that they rely too much on third-party operating systems like Android or like Windows. And I think I've mentioned this before, but if Samsung tried to unify all of their products with Tizen, we used to talk about that all the time. I remember doing live streams in 2018 and 2019 where people were like, Samsung might start switching their whole phone to Galaxy OS and just abandoning Google and Android, but Of course, then they would lose out on the Play Store. and (laughs) It's not like the Play Store is very good anyway. But Marquez seems to have had a bad experience with the Galaxy Store. I haven't used the Galaxy Store, but he apparently said it wasn't very good. So, I don't know. Maybe switching to your own platform isn't the way to go. But, yeah, I think I would have to agree. Probably Samsung's the closest. But it's still not very close. It's still a pretty big gap, in my opinion, considering every time you set up a Samsung phone, you got to sign into Samsung and Google. And then you got to fight between the Google services and the Samsung services. Maybe that's changed. I don't know. I'll, uh, maybe review an Android phone in a couple years (laughs) when we completely run out of all Apple subjects. Uh, they, they'd be unmatched. Imagine starting the dishwasher from your TV, yeah, the, the product Samsung makes, I don't think, would strengthen the ecosystem very much. A lot of those, like, kitchen and laundry and TV appliances are like, you're only going to be using those when you're next to them anyway. There's not much of an advantage of being able to control my washing machine from my car or from the couch. It's like, if, if I put laundry in the laundry machine, I can just press a button. I don't need to do some voice command. Um I'd love if Pixel went away, then maybe I could sell my phone for double, than I paid for it. Oh, the Pixel phone? You think so? Um, Alpha says he's really sad about the direction OnePlus is headed in. Uh, TVA says, I feel like just five years ago, this channel's pro-Apple stance was in the minority within the YouTube tech space, but now it seems like a lot of the tech community is going is coming around to favoring Apple. I felt that too. I might be wrong, but I I very much, even before I started making tech videos, I watched tech videos. I was mostly watching uh, John Morrison, Austin Evans, MQBHD, Soldier Knows Best, occasionally Unbox Therapy, but mostly those first four. And it definitely did not feel like most people liked Apple for any particular reason. It was mostly like Apple was the... The tech company, everybody kicked down and they were like, yeah, they're stupid. They remove stuff. They're overpriced and they're not as good. You know, back then, the Android phones were actually, they, they had faster processors than the iPhones did. And I remember people bragging about that all the time and um, the modularity and the, you can take out the battery and you have upgradable storage. And yeah, look where that went. So it definitely does feel like the YouTube space has definitely leaned more into, oh, you know, A lot of people buy Apple and a lot of people are happy with Apple, so we should probably cater more to that demographic and acknowledge their presence and lead in the market in many departments. Not every field, but they lead in a lot. And maybe channels picked up on that along with me. And now there's a lot of uh, Apple-branded channels. I guess you had iJustine. Justine's always been a fan of Apple, but she's always been a fan of everything. I- I've never seen... I Justine rant about how bad a product is. She's always happy to highlight all of the benefits and how great something is. She, she just loves everything. That's just her character. But when I started making videos, I did not recall there being very many channels that were just like, Apple's great and I don't care about the rest of the market. Um, Ryan says, only area where I think Apple needs constructive criticism is on the software front. Their hardware is top of the line. Yeah, I think I mostly agree. There's still hardware things, though. Like, I'm not happy about AirPods Max and their case and and their charging method. And I don't like lightning. I want lightning to die across everything. I just want USB-C and Thunderbolt to be the standard. So that's kind of hardware complaints. But, yeah, I definitely think the biggest changes that I would be happy with in my Apple ecosystem would be software if we could get Mac OS on the iPad or... Um, I want to be able to just plug in my phone to my laptop and be able to take advantage of the full camera quality on OBS and live streaming, that kind of stuff. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I agree. Most tech channels have seemed to start favoring Apple. Weird, yeah, you still have your Linus tech tips or your unbox therapies that are mostly everything but Apple, but um how long are your members videos when you do editing it depends so for those who don't know the people who have little badges next to their name are channel members they're paying two bucks a month Ooh, money bags over here and for two bucks a month you get updates on the videos uh as i'm making them i'll let you know what's coming up and then i'll typically not always but most of the time i'm able to live stream myself filming and editing the video they're usually around an hour to an hour and a half. It depends kind of on how long the video is or if I have to go get going or something. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, the average is around 70 minutes or so, uh, combined. And sometimes we chat about other things as I'm editing and stuff, but those, those live streams are definitely a lot smaller and there's less people. So it's easier for me to address every messages. Um, Shipping headphones with some that looks like an undergarment is not okay. Yeah, (laughs) that's a hardware thing. I don't really have much issue with AirPods Max software. Uh, ANC and transparency mode is really good. wonder how much more money Tim Cook can hold in his wallet after he receives his bonus. (laughs) I don't think it's stored in cash, but yeah. Um, Let's see. Do you think it is YouTubers that have... Come around to favoring Apple or has iOS genuinely surpassed Android within that time? From my perspective, I don't think it's actually iOS that's come around for people to start liking it. I think it's more so that YouTubers and big channels discovered that there's a lot of demand and you get a lot of attention when you do talk about Apple, usually positive or negative. It doesn't really matter. Um, but there's there's a very large Apple fan base And there's actually a lot of Apple fans that do not go on YouTube and watch tech videos. There's just everyday people that buy iPhones. But you get a little bit of that huge Apple fan base spilling onto YouTube when they do watch tech stuff. And they want to see what people think of iPhones or iOS updates. And they don't want to just turn on a channel that nonstop bashes Apple and says Apple is stupid. Because there's a very large, obvious demographic of people that enjoy iOS and Apple software and Apple's hardware. And they want to continue using that, so it's kinda of hard to watch channels that don't acknowledge their existence or don't acknowledge that they're a decent option. They always just say, Yeah, the specs are bad, or eh, you can get this Android phone that has a better resolution, so just buy that. And once once there was more and more channels covering Apple news and Apple updates, there was there was demand to match it. So um Tim Cook has an entire asset pool sitting on his Apple cash card. <laughs> Yeah, he's got $3 million in Apple Pay Cash. Um, Let's see. It's just the infinity symbol next to balance. That's right. Tim Cook has the entire Apple uh, Cash holdings on on his phone at any given moment. Um, Let's see. Half the time when I join the editing stream, everyone shuts up and I do the rest of the talking. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. They're they're definitely not the same as this. These types of streams, I'm like actively looking at the messages and trying to answer what I can. Editing streams are very quiet because I'm editing the video. So I'm focusing and occasionally a message pops up. So I answer it and go back. So yeah, some people just like the the slower streams that are just a bit more chill. Um, Manuel says, please let us know everything about your new T-Mobile home internet modem. Well, yeah, I, I think most of uh, what I said in my last video is, is on par with my experience. It's uh it was a little bumpy at the start. It needed it needed to crash and reboot and crash and reboot three times. But after that three times, I haven't had a problem. Uh, I thought I had a problem last night. We were, we were streaming a TV show on Peacock, and it started buffering. And I was like, uh-oh, did it crash again? Is something wrong? And I was on the Wi-Fi on my phone, and I was loading web pages, and it was working. And I did speed tests, and it was working as usual. So I exited Peacock, and watch something on youtube on the tv and it worked fine so it turned out peacock was having server related issues it wasn't the wi-fi Uh, but i thought it was for a second so i've been live streaming for 82 minutes now at a much higher bit rate than i ever streamed on starlink on starlink when it was working reliably i would normally stream at 2000 kilobits per second once it started having having problems and it was getting buggy i lowered the bit rate to 1000 kilobits per second and it would struggle to even maintain 1000. Now I'm streaming at 5000 and we have 0% frame drops. It's it's been holding up great. I haven't noticed any lag. I hope you guys haven't noticed any buffering or choppiness. So, yeah, it's been it's been it's been doing great so far. I think it's also the fact that Android phones have become so much more like iPhones to the point that YouTubers are acknowledging that Apple is something to be taken seriously. That's true. Um there's there's a lot of uh, iPhone design characteristics, and you know, especially when I notice Galaxy phones getting more squared off, I'm like, hmm, I wonder where they got that idea, or when they take away the removable battery or they go with the glass back. I think that really started um, with the Galaxy S six. I want to say it was the S six because before the S six. All of the Galaxy phones had these like really easy removable backs that you could just pop off and replace the micro SD and the SIM was there and the battery was there and you could just, they were plastic and rubber. And my friend had one, my friend Wyatt had a Note 4, I think, and it was just, they felt different. All the ga- Galaxy phones did not feel like iPhone iPhones were all about the glass and metal and not removable and all just built securely and solid, but you couldn't take it apart very easily. And once the S6 came out, I think that uh, it felt a lot more iPhone-like because it was like, oh, we're ditching the removable back and now we're going with a glass back and now we're going with more locked down and less modular and less upgradable, and, but it felt better in the hand. It f- it felt nice. You've, you liked holding an S6 because it had the glass and the aluminum chassis. It felt very iPhone-like. So when that first started happening, I was like, okay, I think Samsung is realizing iPhone is, is, uh, uh, doing something right. That's keeping people buying it. And it has nothing to do with the specs. It doesn't have to do with resolutions or CPUs or GPUs. It's just a, it's a premium feel that the, the old galaxy S five and S fours were not giving. And, um, I think that was another turning point. And since then, they've kind of gotten more iPhone like every year. They get more and more uh, locked down, and now there's no expandable storage and definitely no removable battery. And uh, yeah, they just they all started feeling like they were influenced by the iPhone design. Um, let's see. I also think it has to do with Android companies trying to make the phones more Android uh, like, like iPhone like, sorry. They bragged about how different from iPhones they used to be. Now they're bragging about how iPhone-like they are. Yeah, you're right. Um, do you think Starlink live stream issues could be fixed for those on Twitch or better? No, it was not a. It was not a streaming server issue. It was definitely a, a bandwidth and stability issue. Let's see. My ex had a Galaxy S4, and I remember they were so cheap and plasticky, like worse than even the iPhone 5C. They definitely did not feel premium; they felt cheap and plasticky. But they were good. They were they were practical, and they were modular. And you know, the software I don't think was as good as iOS, but it definitely had some advantages over it. And it wasn't as ironed out or optimized. But there was definitely a lot of things that Android users appreciated that were taken away for the for the purpose of we got to be more like the iPhone. So it's kind of hard to deny that. Um, wasn't until S8, I was actually someone interested in the Galaxy line as an iPhone competitor. Yeah, S8 was definitely a big turning point for me. I remember reviewing that on the channel. It was like, wow, this is making me really not want to go back to my iPhone, which I didn't think would happen because uh, it was just so, it was so nice having a display that big and having bezels that thin and the wireless charging I loved and, USB-C I also love. So it's just a bunch of stuff I loved in that package. But once iPhones caught up with the iPhone 10 and now with the great battery life I have, and now the problem is all the iPhones and Androids look the same. They all, <laughs> they're all, they all just thin bezeled rectangles with minimalistic software approaches. And they, all the cameras are great. All the batteries are fine. All the displays are high refresh rate. So there's just, the differences are so small, it really just comes down to what, software experience you want to go with do you want an ios ecosystem or do you want an android ecosystem so just pick your poison how's the Tesla fund coming along pretty good um cpms tend to slow down a bit at the beginning of the year so I don't expect it to grow as fast as it has been growing but we did just surpass uh thirty five thousand dollars in just cash there's stock that we might be willing to sell uh to get the car but uh yeah we we hit the thirty five k mark, which means we're we're past the halfway uh our our total budget is around sixty thousand so uh we've we've passed the halfway mark, and I think we'll pretty likely be getting one later this year. I don't know which one <laughs> kind of depends on how the gig of Texas goes, but anyway, that's for taylos of e v not for taylos of tech. Uh, it's safe to say that Android manufacturers no longer care about making something unique anymore. All they care about is making an iPhone clone. That's that's fair. Not gonna lie, iPhone X smashed the S8. Both the, sorry, I said that wrong. S8, both from 2017. It's true, but the S8 was many was like six months before the iPhone X came out. So when the Galaxy S8 launched, it was competing with the iPhone Seven. And it felt way better and way more futuristic than the iPhone 7 did for me. I knew that the iPhone was going to catch up, but for that six months, it definitely felt very dated that the newest iPhone you could get was 16 by 9 uh, display with Touch ID and big bezels on the top and bottom. How does every time I set this alarm, and I'm always streaming when it goes off, so... If you need an address for a Texas Model Y, you can always come and visit and use mine. (laughs) Thank you, Scott. But I think they have to ship it out of the state and bring it back in in order to deliver it there. Um, iPad mini, yay or nay? If you don't mind 60 hertz, then yay. If you do mind, then unfortunately, 60 hertz on the iPad mini is quite noticeable. Uh, Remember during the iPhone XS and XR days when the tech community consensus seemed to be that iPhones sucked? I don't think that was the consensus. I think there was a bunch of people that didn't like them and a bunch of people that did and were basically still there. I feel like it was more iPhone 3 and 4 days. That's when on YouTube you hardly found anyone that was actually interested in talking about Apple. Um, It's ironic how Galaxy phones were one of the repairable phones to now being the hardest phones to fix. (laughs) Well, yeah, because the market has spoken. It is a very stupid law. Um, let's see. I'm planning on buying an Apple Watch with the 45mm Watch Face Series 7. I've never owned an Apple Watch, but should I wait till Series 8? Eh. So far, not much is rumored for the Series 8, aside from maybe a new health sensor, maybe a faster CPU, but who cares? The only issue is the Series 7 has been out for a while, so I would just say try to find a deal on it if you can. Try, try to find it on sale or Certified refur- Do they have certified refurbished Series 7s? I don't know, actually. Let me check. I'm going to look on the Apple Store app, which was giving me ads the other day for some reason. It was giving me a push notification that says, you can trade in your Apple Watch and get a Series 7 half off. Yeah, they don't have any Series 7s refurbished, but they do have a Series 6 stainless steel. Yeah, it's not a good deal, though. It's still like $600. Yeah, I would say... Unless you're really, really interested in having a blood pressure monitor or a body temperature sensor or something like that, then I don't think the Series Eight is going to look or be that much different. You really don't need to worry about CPUs on watches. Let me let me iterate that. It's ever since the Series Six and its latest S Six chip, it's it's plenty fast, and it's not going to be a noticeable difference to get the S Eight chip or something. Companies found out that gimmicks like interfaces based on nature with bloopy sounds and hand gestures and weird little things don't sell as well as products that just work. That's true. Because people want the technology to get out of the way. They don't want the technology to show off fancy folding folding features or hand gestures. The people just want the phone to do what it's supposed to do. That's the phone that sells the the best. Genuinely, I know people say like iPhones only sell well because of iMessage. I agree with that. But that's not a bad selling point because all of us use our phones for different things. Some of us use our phones for pictures. Some of us use it for gaming. But the most common use case, the most frequently used feature across all our smartphones is probably something like texting, calling, you know, FaceTime, video chatting. That's the most applicable use case that grandmas are going to do it, moms are going to do it. Teenagers are going to do it. Everybody's going to do that. So the phone that makes it the easiest to text and do video calling, that phone's probably going to sell the best. Because when you set up an iPhone, you only got to remember one password until the email thing comes up. But for the most part, it's an Apple-controlled experience. And you don't have to download Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or, you know, Telegram or all these separate messaging platforms or download Zoom and, you know, Skype or do what you got to do to contact the different platform. Instead, you just know you're going to type in one password and you're good. All your all your preferences from messages and, you know, wallet app and the, just the simplicity of how few steps it requires to set up an iPhone and just use the, the basics, iCloud and all that. I think that's what has resulted in the iPhone selling so well is just, There is a reason why we don't see Samsung ads today like those of yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, the ingenious ads didn't stick around very much. Apple understood a lot earlier that people use their devices as mediums to get stuff done slash live their lives, whereas Android manufacturers seem to think people use phones for the sake of using phones. Some people definitely do. The tech community is more the type to use phones for the sake of phones. But um, no, I very much agree with you. That's the right wording I was looking for. People use their devices as mediums to get stuff done. It's not like they buy a phone because they want a phone to do something fun. Uh, the iPhone may not have that many features compared to Android. What it can do, it does very well for much longer. Yeah, it holds its resale value, and you don't have to worry about it uh, dropping updates as much. Um, all you have to do is nail the basics. Most people don't like it when it's hard to do so. That's true. Even iCloud saves all of your third-party passwords, so no need to even remember those. I do utilize that. It would make it very hard to leave the ecosystem. I'd be like, oh, yeah, what's the password for this? But anyway, we've been live streaming for a while. I just want to say big thank you to the T-Mobile Home Internet Beacon. They're not a sponsor. I I, got to pay for this just like anybody else would. But let me just applaud for a second. We've been live for 95 minutes, and we're at 0% frame drops. And we've been at 5,000 kilobits per second. More than double the bitrate of Starlink. With no lag. With no buffering. I would love to keep talking with you guys. But I got other videos and stuff I got to work on. And uh, people to see. Places to go. But this has been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. And uh, I appreciate that you guys are uh, sticking around. Despite everyone leaving the channel. (laughs) Bye if you're leaving. Uh, But either way. I do genuinely enjoy these talks and uh, bouncing ideas off you guys, and uh, it's 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 still fun. I still enjoy it. It's even if the news itself is less interesting, it's it's still fun. So it's cool talking with you all, and uh, I'll be live again. Don't worry, Alberto. I'm sorry. Someone always every stream has to join right at the end, but uh, there will definitely be more streams, and there will be more stable. We were. Free of star linking. This has the been the most streable, uh, stream Is what did I say? This has been the most stable stream we've had probably in years. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh channel members, I will see you when I make my next video. Take care, all. Oh, what's Eon saying? I'm getting the Tesla. Why not finance it and put the cash into Tesla stock? You know, everyone told me to do that when I announced the Tesla plan. If I would have done that, I would have had Less than thirty thousand dollars in the Tesla fund now. It's not a good idea because long term, yes, I do think Tesla stock will perform well, but in the short term it's very volatile. When I announced the Tesla plan, uh Tesla stock was at a thousand over a thousand dollars, close to eleven 1, hundred. Whereas if you're planning in the months and like I need to buy this car within, you know, six or three months or so, then if the stock does something crazy and goes way down you're not going to have you're not going to have enough (laughs) money to buy the car at some point you need cash uh so in the long term yes if my goal was just to have a bunch of money invested then i would throw it all in tesla stock but we need a car We're we're making plans for it we're we're going to be taking trips with it and we we need a vehicle and right now they only accept cash i can't pay for the car in stock so that's not going to work um so I, uh, the financing is uh, not the way we typically like to pay for things because my income is volatile just like Tesla stock is. So depending on the month and how the channels perform, I can have a really good month or a really bad month. Um, so we don't carry any debt. That's why we paid off our house. Um, we, we don't want to get stuck in any long-term loans and that kind of stuff uh, because in the event that my income goes way down, I want to make sure we own the car, it's ours, and we can keep it. Um, so, sorry. So, (laughs) Eon asked a good question, uh, that has been asked many times before. So, okay. Now I'm going to leave. Bye-bye. Take care.